Welcome to Why Not Both. This podcast is about the way that our multiple passions inform our identity. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I'm a musician, therapist, and tutor living in Los Angeles. Each week, I interview people about the ways that the multiple things they love inform who they are as people. You can learn more about this podcast as well as our guests on our website, which is wnbpodcast.com. You can also find us on social media, such as Instagram or Twitter, under the handle WNBThePodcast. Thank you so much for your support. It really helps us out when you like and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. So not only do you get the latest episodes, but other people can see us as well. Thank you again, and I really hope you enjoyed this week's interview. Today, I have with me Anusha Hutton. She is a visual artist, a tarot reader, and a director. Welcome. Thank you so much, Pam. Thank you for driving all the way out here. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) It's always a pleasure to be around you. Aww. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) So the first question that I've been asking everyone uh, is, what do you do? And the second part of that Mm. question is, is there a better question to ask you than what do you do? Um... Okay, well, I do a lot of different things. Um, I've been doing a lot of different things, really, uh, through my life. One of the things that's been consistent with my kind of explorations has been my photography. And pretty much since I was, God, I don't know, probably like maybe 12, I have been consistently taking pictures. So so photography has always been kind of my main passion. Mm-hmm. And um, then kind of, you know, branching out into tarot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been reading tarot since I was seven. Um, and uh, and then, you know, now kind of branching out into directing. Um, so I, I do a bit of everything. Um, I, I'm very passionate about uh, kind of two main areas. Uh, the first one being my spiritual work. And the second one being more predominantly surrounding my uh, visual art. Mm. Which one do you want to explain to listeners first? Which mm. one do you think people would be more curious about? They're both pretty extensive, but mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we could we could start with my visual art. Sure. Seeing as that kind of ties into also the spiritual gift that I was born with. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not sure where to begin. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> It's hard, it's hard for me to summarize my journey, but I'll explain in a little bit. So I was born with a gift in my eyes that um, it enables me to see energy. Mm-hmm. And so I was born with this gift and this ability. And so um, it's one of the reasons why I found photography so, um, so helpful for me because I was really able to use the medium of photography to convey what I saw and how I saw uniquely in the world. Mm. So that's why it was always such a good release for me. Well, and then you can communicate that vision to other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was always like a great release for me um, and a way of communication. Um, So, so yeah. So, okay, I'm going off track. What? <laughs> You're all good. You just explained the visual part. Yeah, okay, the <laughs> visual part. I was like, part. oh, that actually does lead well yeah. into, into then the spiritual part because mm-hmm. I think that some people either 
misunderstand or have misapprehensions about spiritual work and about tarot. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I always use tarot as a side discipline. So predominantly my gifts kind of kicked into play using photographs. Mm. So, so funnily enough, with my spiritual work, I was always, for the most part, using photographs as a way to see somebody. I see. So I used the tarot as a side discipline, as a medium of sorts, to help inquire further about what's going on for somebody. But for the most part, I just, throughout my career as a reader, was was channeling. So mm. I would just look at a photograph and then I would see... Um, I would see the energy and I would also see, uh, I would also hear messages and I would let that person know what was coming through. Yeah, I remembered that that was really distinctive about your method of reading, that you were the first person I'd heard of that read using photographs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've met a couple of readers that work with the police um, mm -hmm. that do the same thing as me. And also sometimes they use, instead of a photograph, they will use a lock of hair. Oh. Um, that's another way that they can tap into energy and, and get a closer feel as to what's going on for that person. For me personally, although I am very sensitive to items, like if I touch a, a you know vintage couch that belonged to a spirit, I usually mm -hmm. know the spirit or can meet the spirit, you know, so I have to be careful. But um, for the most part, you know, I just was able to access um, through photography uh, through photographs, um, my spiritual, that's really how I orchestrated my readings. Because at the beginning of my career, I was going around in an Uber in LA <laughs> when I when I sort of started doing this professionally and it, it kicked him very quickly. Um, I did one reading for somebody and then I quit my job that same week. <laughs> I, I was working at a hotel and I quit my job that week. And then I was in business. I wow. was I was doing multiple readings per week. And at the time, I didn't quite understand my recovery. So I went to, I would get an Uber and I would drive to that. I would get an Uber, go to that person's house, and then the Uber would come pick me up. But of course, I was, I'm, I'm a trance medium. So basically, I go into trance. Mm. And so because but, I was in trance, I'm oh walking no. around being like, where am I? What year is it? How do I order an Uber? Like, oh, no. You know, it was a bit of a nightmare. So at the end, I said, I just cannot, I just cannot Uber to clients anymore. So that was when I decided, okay, I'll just do photographs. And okay. it worked really great. That makes more sense because yeah. that sounds really disorienting. It was, it was, but um, I kind of, I kind of realized pretty early on that okay, that's not gonna work, and so after that, and like I didn't do parties or things like that with like numerous yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I wasn't ever really able to do that. Uh, it wasn't that kind of a a session, and and so. I, I enjoyed working from home and then I would look at the pictures and record it. And mm -hmm. that's what I did for about, for about close to four years. Wow. Um, so that was my consistent day job. And so uh, my boyfriend at the time was very used to it. You know, I mean, it, it was, it was my day job. So, mm -hmm. you know, I had a long recovery time after mm -hmm. the sessions where, you know, I would, I would need um, KFC and a, and a big Coke and, <laughs> Put my feet up and, you know, that was the only thing that would, would get me back in my body. And then the next morning I'd wake up and be like, oh, 
I don't remember anything I said. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, I'm back. Yeah, I'm back. Yeah, it was it was definitely a really really um, it was a it was an amazing time in my life and uh, and left me with a lot of inspiration um, for uh, what I'm creating next. So that's actually what I was curious about was that it sounds like such an intense experience and that it does overlap with photography. That I was like, did that add to your visual repertoire? Or did it diminish your energy that you could then put back into your art? Yeah. I didn't take a picture uh, throughout the entire time. So I, I basically pulled back entirely and decided to completely devote my life to helping other people uh, with this gift. And, um, and, uh, and so I took a break. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I experienced a lot during the time of, of uh, healing other people. And um, I'm extremely grateful. Mm-hmm. I I just I look back on this experience and uh, with a lot of with a lot of uh, grateful feelings and uh, and I'm 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 very excited to get to work as what's next because uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, are you allowed to share at yeah. all about what's next? Yes. Yeah, so um, so just kind of during during everything that was going on in my life. I lived in a temple um, alone for a bit. And during that time, okay, so this temple was uh, the temple. It was one of the original prayer temples for the Theosophical Society, Blitvatsky. Any witches that are listening to this, Blitvatsky, darling. Okay, come on. She's wonderful and the- very authoritative when she speaks. <laughs> I like that you just channeled a bit of her right there from her recordings. <laughs> That when she, I do she's have so a directive. Yes. Well, I actually um, was born two minutes away from where she died. Uh, and I, I did a lot of research into her. Anyway, I'm a massive fan. Blavatsky, love her. Anyway, so basically, I lived in this temple. And at the time, I was doing my readings. And I was, it was such a great time in my life. I, I was healing. I was doing my readings. Business, I was running my own business for the first time, you know, and that was really um, empowering for me, you know, just sharing my gifts and then being able to receive from those. So um, basically, I wrote my series. So in the temple. So basically, I wrote my series visions in the temple and I was living there alone and um I had multiple friends, of course, all of my guides who are living, you being one of them, Aww. came over. And it was a very, it was very like that. This space for me was like that. It was like the people that came through the space at, or that time in my life were very influential for, they were very influential on in my past. So, so yes, I wrote my series Visions mm-hmm. uh, in the temple and um, Visions is what I'm up to next. It's a... It's a, I don't want to call it horror, but I guess it kind of is horror. It's probably scare quite quite a few people, but it's not really horror. It's really kind of my own world, but if you're into horror, you're going to love it. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's my world, basically. It's like David Lynch meets Twilight Zone and putting my own unique, you know, my own unique spin uh, on my own unique apocalyptic weird world. Um, and, uh, each episode is, is under 10 minutes. Um, and, uh, each episode is really different. 
you know, it's different characters, it's it's mm. different stories, and um, and uh, and yeah. So that's what I'm up to next. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sort of speaks to one of the questions I had in mind was like, how do you define yourself? Because it's interesting that you said that you defined. Uh, visions as horror Mm -hmm. whereas like I feel very special that I've heard like sneak previews to me it doesn't sound like when I think of horror Mm -hmm. I think of like either jump scares or occasionally I think of you know maybe existential horror yeah um whereas when I hear it what I feel is more of like the influence of the shadow self but I don't find the shadow self necessarily horrifying yeah um and so I was curious like how do you define yourself in the context of someone who is crafted this series as someone who has experienced the visions and informed visions? That's a very good question. Um, so how do I define myself in, in the respect of, you, you mean in the respect of whether this series is horror or? Yeah, like yeah. Are, you, are you a horror creator or mm. are you a channeler of different kinds of energy? Because you just said yeah, each of the episodes were yes. so different. Yes, yes. And I was like, oh, that's so fascinating. Yes. Are there all different aspects of things that you've seen or yes. things you've experienced? Yes, they very much are. Yeah. They are, they are. They're, they're, um, each of my characters and stories is very much, you know, comes through in the same way that it would in a reading, you know, mm-hmm. where um, I I don't know, you know, I mean, all my friends can vouch for this, but that I just live in a weird world, okay? <laughs> all of my friends, they're like, okay, I love Anusha, but she is, you know, she's in her own thing. And and that's the thing is I, I am, I, I have my own world and I understand that. Um, I'm, you know, probably part alien at this point. I'm learning how to be a human. I'm learning how to be a human. <laughs> I love that all the memes we send each other are like, how do you person? <laughs> how, how to yeah. human? No, yeah. No, we both are. It's the, it's the Aquarius alien thing, alien mm-hmm. complex. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, that's a good question about horror and stuff like that. I'm really into horror. And I, when I grew up, when I was growing up, my dad was very influential for me with um, showing me a lot of horror movies. So when I was growing up, you know, my mother was a spiritualist and very into tarot. And she taught me a lot about psychic energy. And she is a seer as well. So, you know, my father was an atheist, um, but he was massively into horror. So I was like six years old watching The Exorcist and <laughs> never scared. Casual. No, just, just casually. Never scared. Um, always intrigued. And horror lit my imagination up in a way that uh as a child you know it 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 lit something up in me and um and so i never would feel scared i don't mm. know but it's funny the irony is like there have been times in my career where like i have you know seen some i i've seen some pretty scary shit mhm but you know what's funny is that i can't go on ghost rides i can't go in the <laughs> i can't when i go to the fair <laughs> I've been to the fair before, but I can't go on the ghost ride. So we're never going to take you to a haunted no, mansion? No, no. Nope. Nothing haunted, nothing. And that's what's so funny is I'm like, Anusha, you literally slay demons. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, but a haunted hayride. Oh, no. No, no, I no, mean, no, no. I just, I'm a wimp when it comes to those things. <laughs> anyway, so I thought that was funny. But. Oh. But yeah, so so it's not horror, it but it is. It's like, look, if you like horror, you're going to love visions. 
I'm sure. But it's not the kind, my horror is, is my own horror. I want to create a whole new wave of horror. Um, you know, what happened to me was uh, the late John Schnapp. Um, for those of you who don't know who John Schnapp is, look him up. He was an amazing creative soul. I want to link to him. Yes, yeah, yes. I can put in links to whatever you like. You should. And website, I, so I will include his. Yes, please do. Um, um, John um, actually uh, passed away uh, a few oh. years ago. Oh, no, like maybe a year ago. Oh, I um, recall but, he but, was working with you on Yes, yeah. yes. So, so my point being is that um, like my show, Visions, is you know very closely linked to the spirit of John Schnapp. Um, and I, I'd like to just take a moment to just speak about John mm -hmm. because John I I kind of doubted myself when I was writing the series I'm like this is weird you know people aren't gonna get it yeah I wrote one script ironically on Dennis Harper's bed I got gifted uh Den one of Dennis Harper's bed um from a friend of mine and I was living off of Hollywood Boulevard at the time and I wrote my first script which was Blizzed, which was about two, it was about twins that lived in a clown motel. And I remember, and I wrote the script in literally like two nights. Wow. I wrote the whole first episode on the bed. And of course it was Dennis Hopper's bed, so it was weird. <laughs> so I, I, I was kind of in my head about it, like, mm, is anyone going to get this? Mm -hmm. And you know, maybe I should just stick to photography. And at the time I was, I just was like shooting with a flashlight. That was, that was my thing. So long story cut short, I met John and John was, John was very, very influential in, um, in helping me move forward with visions. So I met him and he said, you know, I'm a big fan of your photography. And I said, oh, thank you so much. You know, I'm writing the series. Mm -hmm. May I send you the script? And he was a big guy in horror. You know, he really knew his horror. And I looked up to him and, uh, and he said, yeah, send me the scripts. So I sent him the scripts. Mm -hmm. I sent him the first two, Beats and Dreams, which was my pilot, and Blitz. And um, a couple of days went by. And you know how everyone is in Hollywood. It's like, yeah, send me the scripts. And then yeah, nobody reads no the scripts. Reads anything. Yeah, yeah, nobody reads anything or they get back to you in a year and they're like, oh yeah, it was great. And they didn't read it. So anyway, a couple of days go, goes by and John messages me and he says, hi, read the scripts. Uh, you know, um, this, is, this is some of the most unique horror I've ever read. Um, can we meet for coffee like wow. tomorrow? So when he said that, something changed in me. And I, I was like, wow, John Schnepp said my horror was cool. So I went to go meet with him. And, and he was really the person that, um, yeah, he was the person that really helped make, like my show is really in tribute, you know, to, to John. And I give thanks to his soul because without him, none of this transformation would be happening. Um, and, um, and yeah, he, he helped convince, he, he prepared me and told me, you know, you need to move forward with this. Mm. It's, 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 it needs to happen. So that's so powerful. Yeah. Like when someone that you, especially someone you respect, when someone yes. believes in what you're doing, mm -hmm. like all of a sudden, because I do think that sometimes there's a cultural narrative of like, oh, you have to push yourself. It has to be you that's self-propelled. You yes. define yourself. 
But in a way, it's like we get some of our self-definition from the outside world. Yes. And it sounds like having him believe in you triggered you to be like, oh, I can do this. This is valid. Yes. I do believe in myself. Yes. I, I definitely, you know, um, I think it was just that he, he, I knew that he knew his horror. I knew that he knew what he was doing. And, um, and when he told me that, everything changed for me. And I was like, oh, I really do. I really do need to, to move forward with this. Mm -hmm. So I took a little bit of time though, because I, I was making my product line and, um, you know, that, that was a huge part of my life for, um, a long while was the development of my products. Um, oh yeah. We haven't even spoken yeah, about haven't, those. I haven't even spoken about those. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, oh yeah, because you have the anointing oils and mm. or like you had such a beautiful product line, but yeah. it sounds like, and we'll explain, I guess, briefly to the listeners, you made all these products and have decided to now not yeah. for other people as much. Like what, what happened? Basically? Yeah. So, so basically, um, during the time that I was reading full time. So, okay, I was in trance four days a week. And uh, my boyfriend at the time, uh, he, he knew that. Mm -hmm. And so basically Monday to Thursday, I wasn't in my body. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I was in my body. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, you know, the way our home operated. Very surreal, but he understood. Uh, so anyway, during that time, I I would use the money that I would make for my readings to develop my own oils. I was in trance one day and I made my grounding oil. Mm -hmm. So I made my grounding oil. Um, it helped me get back in my body faster. And then I basically developed an entire line of six different energies that I wanted to create for myself. So I created six energy uh, essential oil uh, products. Um, these come in the form of sprays, um, and oils, um, and, uh, bar salts, and they include crystals. So I basically spent, you know, I, I put all of my money into stocking up on essential oils, making my own recipes, brewing, figuring out the perfect, um, you know, perfect blend of essential oils. And, um... And so I spent quite a bit of time developing the line. And um, then I sort of, well, things got very full on because all of a sudden I realized that I had kind of created an empire um, and I needed to be like, okay, well, you've created an empire, but now you need to take a step back and figure out what you're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. You know, because if you create something big, you got to realize why, what is your intent? And so that's what I needed to do. So I took some time off. I started to just trade with uh, friends and people that I knew because I love making potions. I've been making potions since I was a kid. Yeah. I love trading with my friends and, 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 you know, making potions for my friends. And so I do that still, um, you know, more custom work and, um, you know, more custom experience for the, for the client. But, uh, but funnily enough, when I took time off, that's when... I basically decided I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to make art. I'm not going to do my products. I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do anything. All I'm going to do is, is rest and kind of meditate. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, just get clear. 
So I spent several months just doing nothing. And during that time, clarity ensued. So um, with my product line, I've really decided to, to, you know, I want to help the world with my products. So in any way that I can. So um, I have partnered with, uh, with um, numerous uh, people who are involved in humanitarian efforts and um, activist causes. And I will be um, partnering, uh, the initial product will be partnering with different, uh, different organizations and different things that are going on in the world that need to, um, that need support. Um, and so uh, my humanitarian work is going to be taking up quite a lot of my time moving forwards. Although mm. it's one of those things that I just need to get clear on the direction, you know, of why am I doing this? Yeah. You know? yeah. That's what struck me, that it's almost like there's multiple paths that you've described, and mm. they do feel very unified in your, um, like in your intent to help others and also to share your visions with others. Mm. But there is the time and effort issue of like, yeah. there's only one of you. So it's like, how much time and effort can you devote to each of these things without yes. accidentally draining yourself? Yes. Or only doing like partial service to what you want to bring to fruition? Yeah. Um, it's like what my mother said, you know, one step at a time, and you know, this is a this is going to be a lifelong path, right? right? So, you know, one of the things is that in our culture we feel very rushed mm -hmm. always. You mm -hmm. know, and of course, with the introduction of technology, you know, now it's like instant. Everything is instant. It's like, okay, if I don't have, you know, the 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 vision that I had perfectly executed within this time frame, therefore it has failed. Right. Like, it's like, very all or nothing. It's very all or nothing. So then when I took a step back and I was like, actually, you know, take a step, like taking a step back, even though I felt at the time and being real with everyone, I felt like I had failed by taking a step back. Mm. And there is this perception within society where when you stop something, therefore it equates to in your mind failure you know, mm -hmm. especially in the Western world, when you stop doing something, it may equate to feelings of failure. But sometimes that's the gateway to success is when you have the courage to slow down, mm -hmm. pull away, stop and trust. Because then when we move into a deeper space of trust, you know, you're no longer fearing the absence of your success. I like that phrase. You're no longer fearing the absence of your success. Right. That when you trust that your creations will succeed, there is no rush. And that was, that was what I personally learned by pulling back. And then when the clarity came in, I was so grateful that mm -hmm. I had taken that time off. But yes, it can feel like when you've been sent here to do a lot, which so many of us have, and mm -hmm. especially also in this new society that we live in, yeah. which is very much like, oh, we're all doing a ton of different things and expressing ourselves in multiple different ways. So it can, it can feel a bit spread thin, but I tried to avoid that by um, carving out uh, time to recharge mm -hmm. and uh, I do that more as a mandatory effort um, now. 
Yeah, because it sounds like it's interesting that you said that that uh, with the product line, when you had taken time away from it, that at first you felt that you had in some ways failed. Yes. Whereas it sounds like with photography, when it sounds like you did take a step back from photography, when you were doing more with your mediumship, mm-hmm. that it doesn't sound at all like you felt a sense of failure with that. I always knew that I would come back to it. Mm-hmm. I Photography is throughout my lifetime you know the camera will always be with me and you know that's just it's the lifelong commitment and contract that I've exchanged you know I feel Mm -hmm. that it is my destiny you know um and uh yes but I knew that I needed to experience some I knew that I needed to experience some other stuff you know I had like spent years and years and years carving out my aesthetic and mm-hmm. how I wanted to communicate and, and what was that like. And um, I knew that when I would go back to it, it would not be the same way, mm. you know? So I was like, okay, take Because you'd have back. all this new information. Yeah, new information, different resources, different support systems, you know, and uh, different people around me to help support that. So uh, I knew that when I would go back that it would be different. And that speaks to like, I talked to other guests about like support that they've received and also like the role of commerce because money is very important in Western society. Yes. And so sometimes I know that other people I talked to had talked about like the importance of a day job or financial security. Yes. Or things like that. Do you think that in any way like finances or support have informed some of these choices? I will say that everything that you experience in your life is preparation uh I believe that my lack of support and my lack of finances were the gateway Mm. into my success yes and so I I actively give thanks every day because um during my journey I had very little financially around me and it was very hard But I will say that um, had I have had money around me during the time in which I created my art, I would not have made the art that I had made. I wouldn't have understood my aesthetic. The way, the irony of the situation is the only way that I made this art was from a $10 flashlight. That was the only thing that I, I remember had. that when you had the flashlight yeah. in the little... I used to wear a flashlight on my head. I still do. I wear a flashlight on my head. I'll shine a $10 flashlight. That's how I made everything. So if you go to my website, you'll be able to see everything on there is made with a flashlight. And I'm so grateful. I look back on my life now and I think, God, I was so stressed all the time at the surrender mm-hmm. and being like, I don't have anything other than this fucking flashlight. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> this I, one treasured flashlight. <laughs> yes, this treasured flashlight. But, you know, I really learned. I learned how to become a master. You know, sometimes hardship prepares you to become a master at what you do. So the, the, the reality is that anytime you start thinking, oh my gosh, my situation would be so much easier if I had money, if I had this, if I had that, if I had this team, just remember that the hardships make you a master. If you want to be the best, embrace the challenges. 
don't run from them, embrace them. Because if you, if you paralyze yourself in the fear of it all, you won't, you won't create. And the key is every time you feel scared, just create. Just create something. Just create, because when you move into the creation energy, whatever it is, right? Because you're, you are the master of your own energy. So wherever you put it, you could be paralyzed in fear because nothing is certain, you know? So that degree of uncertainty is very scary, especially when you are an entrepreneur or when mm-hmm. you are like, you are a visionary person or a creative person and there's all this uncertainty and it's like, fuck, you know, I don't have any money. It's scary. But, um, but, but again, I think uh, an artist that I know, um, I said to him recently at a meeting that we recently had, he's a very, very, uh, he's an artist I look up to. And I, I said to him, it's been a very long road of struggle for me, you know, to, to reach this place in my life, yeah. to reach this place, right? And he said, well, it won't feel like a long road at the end. And I kind of thought about that for a minute. You're like, oh, yeah, because I'm not at the end. Put, put it in perspective. Put it in perspective. The, the, the reality of the situation is that whilst you may feel gripped by lack at times, because we all do, we're all human beings. We all go through that at one point or another, and it's, it's tough. But the reality of the situation is it's just a moment. So the key to the discipline i believe is just to not to not engage so much in the permanence rather just to take a look at life however it may be reflected to you in this moment and and accept that it is just a moment that's exactly it's funny that you spoke to uh the permanence issue uh because this weekend i played my first show in like a year and a half which was great, uh, but the setup was awful. I got there and one of my stands literally exploded, like nuts and bolts everywhere. Had to oh, wow. duct tape it back together. It must have been your energy. Oh my god! You're seriously. making microphones explode. Pam. Oh my god! It just like <laughs> boo. I was just like, I was like, I didn't even know that could happen. Um, That's but, hilarious. So I'm like, okay, this is unsettling. But I'm gonna yeah. sit down and try and set up my setup, which has like 70 cables. So I'm plugging everything in, and everything is like vaguely working, but not quite. Yeah. And so I was really concentrated. Um, but was very distressed because my stand exploded. And so the sound guy comes over and he like kind of peers down at me and he says, how are you doing? And I just looked up and I said, very poorly, but everything is temporary. Yeah. And he looked slightly frightened because I think he meant like, I was like, we're all going to die one day. But like what I actually meant was like, this feels bad right now, Yeah. but it's not always going to feel bad. There probably will be other times that I feel bad slash frustrated slash whatever, but For there's sure. also going to be times that I feel other things. So I know that even though I'm feeling that right now, that it's not going to last forever. There's that, there's like that uncertainty principle is scary, but it also gives you possibility. Absolutely. Because I'm like, I'd, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life on this gallery floor plugging in my gear. This is temporary. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> For sure. But it's temporary. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Just always remember that it is temporary. And then you look back and you're like, oh, wow, I'm actually, I don't have any regrets or right. like any, like, 
it's all part of the imperfect path that we all live you know imperfection is is a reality of there is no way of this lifetime being linear or the way that we expect it to be crafted you know we're doing our best exactly sometimes we explode instrument stands yeah exactly that's fine that's totally fine (laughs) 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 what do you feel that you have learned the most on this path both from photography and from the mediumship and from the, well, product line, that's three. It's like the Spanish Inquisition of things popping up. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Welcome to my life. Uh, Yeah, what have I learned the most? Um, I've learned... I've learned so much, but I suppose I've learned some different things in the multiple disciplines or areas of my interest. But the one thing that remains carved and between them all or is authenticity is the most important thing um and honesty Mm. you know and staying true to you staying true to yourself staying true to your own vision and um authenticity is my number one um I'm always I'm always uh I'm always pushing for that I'm always pushing to find that within myself and I'm always pushing to 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 reveal that to others mm. um and so i definitely authenticity would probably be the thing that that like combines all of them through thread yeah that yeah. makes sense yeah and also you know i'm just i i just love to um i believe that when i believe that it is our infinite right to live our dream so my life is basically constructed around my dreams, mm-hmm. you know, either through my art, which is all about my dream life. Um, but then like I consciously live spiritually in a dream and that's the way I like to live. Um, now, sometimes that's kind of tough when I'm learning <laughs> how to be a human. <laughs> she, she says with dramatic understatements. <laughs> Uh, but you know, if I could, if I could concentrate on, if I could concentrate on like the, the focus of my art and like, also, you know, my dream of like basically unconditional love, um, and, and emulating that and, and, and kind of bringing that to other people, but also bringing that, you know, in my bigger vision to the Mm. world is like, I wanted my products, Paul Newman, fellow Aquarius, uh, in, inspired me because Paul Newman, he had his salad dressing. And when I was a little girl, I used to eat his salad dressing all the time. I used to love it. And I used to go to the body shop a lot when I, oh, when yeah, I come, yeah. yeah. And that was another thing that really inspired me is to go to the body <gasps> shop. But it's funny, actually, one thing, when you're a kid, think back to when you were a kid, because you will see a lot of your dream. You will see there are these memories and experiences that we have had as children that have led us to our destiny. So like I was literally, my life was playing with spirits, mm-hmm. going to the body shop, making flower potions and taking pictures and play, oh, and reading tarot. So literally I decided when I grew up, when well, I'm not really grown up, but <laughs> when I grew up, I said, I want to, I want to remain that little, that yes. little girl, me, that the things that inspired me when I was growing up, 
I just decided as an adult that I was going to basically make my whole life about what inspired me when I was a kid. And I didn't, I, I looked at other people where the magic had left their eyes, you know, mm. the magic had left their body. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's so sad. Like what you just have to, you just have to just kind of like give up. Like at some point you just have to be like, oh, I'm just going to give up on my dream. It's like a little candle just being snuffed out. Yeah. And society can do that. You know, sometimes the pressures of security, uh, you know, false security. Because the thing is, is that your life is, again, it's your infinite right to create your dream. And so the more people that know that, the more empowered society will be. Because a lot of people feel not empowered enough to to break free of uh mm. to break free of the traps right you know and i think that there are some traps you know so so i suppose the most important thing is being brave having the courage to step out and saying you know what i'm not going to do that and yes i might have to pay the price and i might have to pay the price for 10 years <laughs> uh you know and i did and i you know i i definitely had struggles um you know, but when you look back, you remember, well, I was authentic. Right. You're like, I was I, true to myself. I was true to myself. I did what I did, what I needed to do, even though it was difficult. Well, and it's so funny. You just very gracefully answered my last question yeah. without my asking it. I'm like, oh, how wonderful. Nice. <laughs> well done. Well, I am a psychic. So. Exactly. I was just like, this makes complete <laughs> sense. <laughs> I already knew what you were going to ask me, Pam. Because I was going to ask like what you would tell your younger self or younger selves uh, that are mm. out there listening to this, but it mm. sounds like... That's nice. Yeah. Oh, I would definitely just tell her. Well, one of the things I would warn her is don't get distracted by boys, okay? Because that, that's, been, that's been a the problem. The listeners can't see the look in my eye of like, mm. <laughs> I need to listen to my friends more. Don't get distracted by boys. And um, I would tell her, you know, don't... Uh, I would just say... Don't ever stop believing in yourself and always follow your bliss. Always follow your, I know that sounds a bit cheesy, but it's true. Follow your joy, follow what makes you happy. This life is too short to be anything but. And, um, and stay true to yourself and stay loving yourself. You know, I think there's just, this comes this point when you become an adult where loving yourself is kind of essential. Like, yeah, just a little. Yeah, like, we can't, <laughs> we can't, like, as a teen, it's kind of like, you know, loving yourself is very risky at times. Yeah, because you know? you're changing so fast and mm -hmm. you're trying to figure out who that self is. Yeah. And, like, you're like, mm, I'm going to try something out. Oh, I don't know if that was the root. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't love myself as a teen. And even in my early 20s, I still, the older that I get, I actually said to someone recently, I actually like getting older because the older I get, the more I genuinely, and just like without ego, it's not even an ego thing, but I just genuinely love myself the older I get. That's how I feel. Yeah. We're part of like, um, someone said to me that, well, a lot of people say to me that it's good that I get mistaken for younger. Yeah. And I'm so used to getting mistaken for being younger because of how I look. Um, but in some ways, part of me doesn't like it because I'm like, don't you see all the work that went into this? Don't you see everything that I've done? Because mm -hmm. I'm really into what I've done. Yeah. I'm really into who I am. And I'm just like, don't you see all this experience? And it's like, no, they see like a little baby angel face. And so it's like, on one hand, yes, that's flattering. But on the other hand, I'm like, 
I really like what I've built mm-hmm. in here. Mm-hmm. And I want people to see that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it speaks to that like self-love. Like as a teenager, I remember feeling like, well, I can't really pretend to be anyone else, but I'm not even sure if I like me. <laughs> so I'm just yeah. feeling ambivalent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I relate completely the same. I actually, uh, uh, I, I was very... As a teenager, I was very moody and I just would take pictures all the time and Mm. smoke cigarettes outside school. I was trouble. I was trouble. I got in a lot of trouble as a teenager. That's one of the reasons why I was like, when I have kids, like... I'm I'm a little scared to have a mini me because oh, teenagers are bonkers. I work with yes. them on a consistent basis. They're you all do. bonkers, right? Yeah, no, that, I'm just warning you now. Your teenager is going to be bonkers. That's, oh, that's I what know. Being a teenager is I about. know. That's true, but <laughs> especially a mini Anusha. Uh oh. Oh man, um, you could get a mini Pam. I used to climb trees and read books. <laughs> read the books in we, the tree. We actually have spoken about how we would have been such good friends at school. We've actually spoken about We're, that many yes. times. Was, we would have been best friends at school. <laughs> I just know it. Oh, yeah. We would have snuck in all the goth clubs. You we would have danced would've. with all the boys. Yes. I would have been like, oh, look, a cobweb in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Silly boys. Oh, exactly. Wow. It has been such a pleasure. And I love that you brought up the body shop because I, yeah. I collected the lip balms. Yes, me too. And uh, I I went there always after school. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny, but yes, that's like my goal, you know, with the Nusha products and when they when they come back is, you know, establishing um, a charity and uh, establishing ways in which I can contribute to the world. And I'm a big believer in, you know, duality. You give, you receive, you know, it's important to be in the rhythm of the universe and to be doing equal amounts of both. So um, it's just my mission, like, give, you know, just, just, you know, or I guess that's the Aquarius in me. I was going to say, and I it think is. that true, true giving is also receiving. Like, you yes, can't really give unless you can also of receive. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's like darkness and light. You can't have one without the other. And that's, I will not lead us on a tangent. I was going to say, I was like, oh, I'm closing. And then I got yeah, distracted by lip balm. I know. Classic yes, me. we got distracted by lip balm. I was going to say, <laughs> darkness and light, you know, it's important, a bit of both. And that's one of my spiritual missions, you know, is like through my work also releasing my shadow, mm. right? And, you know, that was essentially one of the aspects of the spiritual industry that I think needs to be shaken up a little bit is, you know, Shadow is super important. Yes. And we yes. can't we can't we, we can't run from the stuff. We can't glaze over it. We can't we can't we can't affirmation our way out of the shit. You know, the reality of the situation is that it is so important for us all to face our shadows and for us to face the dark too. Because when we do, there's infinite light on the other side. And um and so that's where I feel that the light can come in. And yes. that's as an artist where I've always been so inspired is from the dark because mm-hmm. I, that's why I love, you know, working with masks. I love, you know, I love where my art takes me because it takes me to the darkness and I I become infinite light there, you know. So it's like both, right? If we can celebrate both parts of ourselves, then we are activating self-love in an authentic space rather than just wallowing in light that 
kind of makes the dark even bigger and kind yeah. of not in a fun way. Then it either. comes out in really weird ways. Yes, it does. Like I've had a lot of light, like crazy light people who are like all about the light. And, you know, uh, I've had a lot of them like kind of, uh, I feel that there is a judgment thing there, you know, where it's like, no, that's not what this is about. This is about spirituality to me is just about meeting yourself honestly and meeting other people honestly. And when you can meet yourself, again, we come back to authenticity. Mm-hmm. When we meet ourselves there, that is where the light can come in. So hopefully that is um, that is where we will all be going. Yes. And that's where, that's where I want, I want visions to be a way for people to, to come and get dark with me. Yay! <laughs> Yay! I love that that's my reaction to darkness. Anusha played me a clip from the show, and I think she was expecting it would scare me, and I was just, like, grooving along. I was like, oh, wow, I really love the spaciousness of, like, the darkness of this. Like, I was really into it. Pam's, Pam's eyes lit up when she heard my dubbed demonic voice for the show opening <laughs> she she just she rode the wave it was, it was yes it was wonderful yes yeah so i think being authentic yeah. you know i guess in closing is yes embracing all sides of yourself and of yes. the people in your life and of yes. the things you encounter and know that things do have duality and that that's that's what they are nothing is yes. all light nothing is all dark exactly exactly so. and don't don't be afraid of what you know fear is fear is something that you need to face when you face it 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 no longer makes you weak and in fact then you can then you can become stronger by just facing it and so my last point is if we can face fear then nothing can stop us yes and so don't run from fear that's when we were talking about the money situation yeah, and everything like yeah. that is remember tune into yourself ask yourself where how do I come from a place that's not fear how do I come from a place of love in this moment you know and if you find yourself in a thought system that might be fearful tune in with yourself and remind yourself this is just a moment I'm gonna face it head on and then all of a sudden the fear kind of dissipates and then Mm -hmm. you are able to create you're able to create so well, fear is the only thing that gets smaller as you run towards it exactly what i read exactly. and i was like, oh, I like yes and of course if we're all obsessed with light then that's difficult to face right because mm-hmm. then a lot of people walk around and they have their fears or they have these shadow feelings come up and they feel wronged or they feel like oh this is too heavy or too dark to confront so I just think that, uh, yeah, that's such a great way of looking at it. And um, especially when we, we we bleed into what we are here to create in the mm-hmm. world, how we can do that more authentically and efficiently mm-hmm. and with more joy. Yes. It was so wonderful to speak oh, with you. I, lo- I love this. This was so much fun. Yeah, it was. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Why Not Both. If you would like to learn more about our guests such as the one I interviewed today and all of the other people from this past season, you can head over to our website, which is wnbpodcast.com. Please make sure to like and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform so you don't miss any interviews. And if you fancy, leave us a review. Thank you again, and I look forward to chatting with you next week. Thank you.
Thank you.